Welcome to my podcast. This is Prison of Liberty. I am Sam Dennis, your host. And in this series of podcasts, I would be exploring the whole perceptions of freedom, how different people perceive it and what my perceptions have been and, and how our guests are going to give their opinions on the same. At the same time, we have certain questions that we would surround each of these episodes around. and. My, I would define freedom as this idea or this action where freedom is probably just some simply one's ability to make a decision from you know the available choices in full knowledge of the consequences that that particular choice renders with the least number of hindrances. Well, that's mine. But uh, at the same time, I here have Karan Trichel, a good friend and a good philosopher who is very well read with the Russian literature. And I would like to have his opinion on the same. What do you think about this, Karan? Um, do you think we are free or do we have freedom in itself? Hi, Sam. Always a pleasure to converse. Um... I think before we get into the question of whether or not we are free, because I I feel like that's a very dense and a very layered question in itself. I think for freedom, you have to talk about subjectivity, you have to talk about systems, you have to talk about how you act within those systems, absolute freedom, all of that. I think one question that precedes all of this discussion is, do we want freedom? Do we really want to be free? Is freedom a good thing? Is freedom something that people are looking for? Because nowadays, everywhere around us, we see all these protests of freedom for speech, freedom for education, freedom for educators to speak whatever they want, blah, blah, blah. All of them very grave discussions, all of them very uh, rightly pointed out by uh, everyone who's having a discussion about them. But I think one question that we usually don't ponder over is do we want freedom? And um, I think I, I completely agree with your uh, point about freedom, your definition about freedom. I think it sounds a pretty, uh, I think it sounds, I think it defines something as slippery as freedom as well as can be defined. So, but yeah, I would like to know your thoughts about Yeah, that's a very good question, uh, Karan. Like, it's it's important because throughout history we've always lived in civilizations that have certain rules that restrict freedom to some extent and um, and these rules and these limitations have developed society as we know it today. So that's a brilliant question to ponder upon and I think there needs to be a lot more conversation on it. Um, if I remember right, there is a, a book by Dostoevsky. Uh, which I'm pretty sure, in fact, you were the one who introduced it to me. Uh, so there's this little poem about the Grand Inquisitor, right? Could you, yeah, Karan, could you probably give us a little summary on that so that we get into it? Right. So the Grand Inquisitor is one of the most uh, amazing pieces of literature that probably the history of literature has produced. Um, just to give you a very brief summary, it is about uh, the Spanish Inquisition. Um, 
it talks about the second coming of Jesus Christ as he appears on earth during the Spanish Inquisitions. And what is happening then is uh, the, the inquisitors, which is basically officials, they've taken over the business of making sure that people are following Christ's rules. People are, people are living by the Bible. Those who are not are burnt at the stake. And um, what happens is Jesus Christ appears in the city of Seville, Seville in Spain. And he starts to perform his miracles. People are overjoyed. People are crowding around him. They have recognized the second coming of Christ. But then passes by the Grand Inquisitor, who is supposedly the head of the Spanish Inquisitions and the one who's actually burning the heretics at stake. The people immediately disperse. The Inquisitor uh, orders the guards to put Christ in chains. And despite his, despite his divine and mythical status, or mythical, divine, uh, the guards don't hesitate to do the bidding of the Grand Inquisitor. And later at night, when the Grand Inquisitor visits Jesus Christ, he tells him that the one mistake that you committed, the one grave mistake that you committed was exhorting people to live a free life rather than pressing down your morality on them. He says that you could have done that very easily given the three temptations that the devil gave to you. If you had performed even one of them, it would have been heralded as a miracle. And people would have taken you as their natural leader. He says that people don't want to be free. People want someone to shackle them. People want someone to restrain them. People just want supplies. People just want food and water. And they'll be like sheep. They'll follow you anywhere. And this, I felt at the, at the time when I was reading this, it comes at a very brilliant point in this novel called The Brothers Karamazov. And it is rendered by one of the most fantastically written characters in probably uh, history of literature, Ivan Karamazov. And um, the whole point that the Grand Inquisitor is making is that you set the people free and not many people have the right to exercise that freedom in a good sense, in the way that you taught them to. So he says that we are doing your job by incarcerating you and by enforcing a system upon them that they will follow in exchange for bread and food and water. Isn't that brilliant? This whole idea of providing guidance and essentials in exchange for your own freedom right like i mean that's that's a state of everything that we live today are driven by those things right like our politicians our political systems are quite literally driven by this idea that okay we give them certain things and we can control i don't know for this particular matter their votes or whatever and so is it that in like internal primal needs that we have that can always cause us to surrender our freedom i think there's more to it than that i think i think exercising freedom is exhausting because of course there is the fact that basic essentials you provide them for people and people will follow you now you mentioned a very uh, a very uh, relevant point that politicians today, what they're doing in rural areas is basically giving people free food, free drink, and they're asking for votes in return and they're getting them, which is a very brilliant demonstration of the Grand Inquisitor's work in action right here. But apart from what you've said about um, providing the essentials, I think it's also kind of exhausting to exercise your freedom. And because 
as the existentialist put it, freedom comes at a price. It weighs heavy on you. You have to live with the choice that you make. If God does not exist, and if we live in a world that is determined by our free will, then everything, everywhere that you are, all the bad things that befall you are because of choices or decisions that you made. And that's a very frightening thought to behold. I don't yeah. think many people have the mental strength to withstand that. I think blaming luck of circumstances or God is people's way of coping with their circumstances and everything bad that comes there. And I think in that sense, exercising freedom is quite exhausting. It's frightening almost. Yeah, to take a page out of uh, the Grand Inquisitor's argument, like I think his question lies around the uh, background of this, right? Like he's basically asking if people can live a virtuous life uh, or if all human beings are capable of living a virtuous life given the freedom that they were given. Uh, and he calls out Jesus to be a criminal for that, for giving people uh, an option which they mostly cannot exercise. So, as you rightly put it, yeah, it may be exhausting, but isn't that freedom necessary to make moral decisions? Yes, definitely. But also, no. Let's put it. So, essentially, what the grand what the grand inquisitor is doing is he's told a moral code to the people that he's leading, and the people are following that blindly. And because A, they don't really have to exercise their own free will in that sense. They don't really have to live with whether or not they did something right or wrong. But also, they're, I mean, and second point being obviously that they're being provided food and water. And um, I think, I think it again circles back to the same question that do we really want freedom? Because uh, Uh, yeah, that's actually, that's true, right? Like, okay, you and I both study in a university which prides itself in the amount of liberty it produces or gives to its students, its professors, and so on. But at the same time, something that we notice is uh, all of these people who are bound by the freedom of this institution, ironically, somehow are paralyzed by the freedom that they are given uh, so i get your point on how it is not necessarily required because guidance is required for making more decisions and guidance curbs freedom at some level but what are your thoughts on this right like if if you think that this university is probably the most free society you can get into and if this is going to be a replica of the system that we aim to achieve uh, with rendering freedom to everybody as much as it possible, do you think it's a viable option? Do you think people actually deserve this level of freedom? I think, I think these two questions take us on two tangents, which are somehow connected, but which also seem disconnected. Whether or not people deserve their freedom, I think, depends upon, is a question that is 
centered more around morality and whether or not freedom is something that people want is based around the fact that we just discussed of having to decide for themselves the freedom actually being a burden of um i mean it's it's just like the existentialists put it that existence is a burden similarly exercising your freedom exercising your choice is a burden and if you remember uh, you've also been reading notes from underground and if you remember at the underground man is paralyzed because as seemingly quote unquote an intelligent man you can see all the roads that he traverses that his decisions traverse if he decides one way or if he decides another way and in trying to get to the end of that he is unable to make a choice so i think these two questions are related but they also somehow go down different tangents one is about morality and one is about um do we really want freedom and both of these tie into the question that you asked me first that you asked that is that such a viable option having a society like this created in the outside world is that a viable option and would that be a happy society well i have to say i the grand inquisitor has a point for that matter even joker has a point when he's trying to say that i mean the joker is an extremist obviously but he does have a point where he says that if if you allow someone to do anything then there's a good chance that they might not end up doing that which is right well that's a long lasting philosophical debate right like um uh, the whole of social contract theory is based upon that that humans need a system to control them because their innate nature is all selfish and malevolent and for the greater fabric of the society to exist in any sort of peace uh, or something as close to getting into peace we need a system that enhances our ability to think for ourselves uh that's actually true but what would your solution be as to how much of freedom should be given because that's a huge question in itself uh where do we draw the bounds of freedom where do we say this is where the line ends because we haven't primarily decided who who is free yes you're right and i think the ambiguous or the again like i mentioned the slippery thing that freedom is makes it very difficult to define who is free and whether or not that freedom would be a good thing if given to everyone and i think the solution has to lie somewhere in where we are right now in the sense that here we have a skeletal set of rules that are supposed to govern us but in reality don't all of us know that and i think that is something where if applied to the larger society we actually might go wrong 
I think we do need a system in place that keeps us in check. I think so as David E. Hall or Donald E. Hall puts it in his book, Subjectivity, The New Critical Idiom, he says that true agency is not exercised by breaking away from the system and flying, up, flying away. It is exercised in chain, being chained to the system and still soaring above it. I think something That's similar, a brilliant statement. I think something similar holds for freedom in the sense that you definitely need a system to keep it in check. Like coming back again to the Grand Inquisitor, he's imposing a system of his own, which is brought about or which is inspired by the times that he lives in, which is basically 14th, 15th century Spain. And it is inspired by the, the socio-political atmosphere of the time. It is inspired by the it is inspired by various things, um, by the kind of thought that exists then, by what is considered to be legitimate then. I think all of these systems tend to change, right? We've had theocracies, we've had ecclesiastical courts, we've had, for a brief period of time, socialism, but right now, what predominantly seems to exist is capitalism. And I think humans have, we humans have always needed that system to keep us in check. And I think definitely the solution somewhere lies in a system that gives us some basic ethos and values and yet leaves some of the fine-tuned decisions at our subjectivity, at our uh, will. And the kind of system, I think that's, that's a question that might keep sociologists busy for a while, uh, political theorists, sociologists, philosophers, all of them. Um, we've had some brilliant ideas, we've had some greater ideas about that as well. I mean, if you want to look at, uh, let's say, I think, who was it? It was probably Pisarev or Chernyshevsky who suggested that a select 10% of people who have studied technology be ruled, be rulers of the rest 90%. I mean, so yeah, we've had absolute brain parts of systems uh, to keep this exact thing that we are talking about and then we've had some systems that have succeeded at some levels um but yes um coming back to the question uh, there was a huge digression uh, coming back to the question i think the answer does lie in some sort of a system i think we do need to be bound to some sort of a system because again quoting uh i think this was thomas hobbes um when he defines the state of nature of human beings, it is nasty, brutish, short, and violent. And I think I think Rousseau got this one wrong when he said that human beings are essentially innocent. But yes, uh, okay. I think there's a system required to keep us in check. Yeah, that's quite true. And it, it kind of reflects, like, as we've been talking, uh, a university, a modern university setup where there are, uh, like you rightly put, a skeletal set of rules. And these skeletal set of rules are badly followed. And there is, there is oblivion towards those rules from both the enforcers of those rules and those who follow it. But you can see the level of misuse uh, of the freedom that can be exercised in a system like that. Um, this is the closest probably uh, you can get to absolute freedom. And we see how it can be problematic and that it 
hasn't led to a collective good uh although these might be opinions these may be substantiated as well uh but at, as a closing remark i would like to ask you do you think you are free there's a lot of conversation around freedom per se today like we've been talking uh freedom of speech is one of the most common uh commonly fought over topic of freedom today and freedom exists in many forms there is academic freedom there is freedom to speak the freedom to expression and so on and so forth how much of these do you cultivate in your own life or how much of these do you think you can exercise without having restrictions i think that's a great question and i think the answer to that again circles back to the entire discussion that we've been having so far i do think that i'm free in a lot of senses but now that i think about it i attach myself to those skeletal set of rules to have something of a guiding force of a driving of of a uh, of a line in my life about what i can do and what i should probably not be doing let's talk about the whole sneaking in culture we stopped sneaking in after i think we got we were we got caught in the first time that's because there's a very good chance that we could have continued sneaking in and nobody would have caught us again but okay for context uh sneaking in is this idea that uh so boys hostels and girls hostels are separated and people are allowed to only interchange uh go interchangeably into each other's hostels until 12:30 a.m. after which they are asked to leave and there are back doors through which these can be done uh which sometimes are not so full through so go on karan sorry yeah thank you for that context i completely forgot about giving that but uh, but yes point being that i have tried to attach myself to a rule system even though nobody forced me to do it and i think that is where my freedom lies i think those set of rules are what is constraining me or it is a set of rules that i have consciously chosen to embrace i have freely chosen to embrace in order to curb my own freedom and i think that is something we as human beings always tend to do we always try to cling to something or the other to give us a guiding light in terms of um, what um, what we are doing is morally right or wrong what we are doing is whether it should be allowed or not instead of instead of thinking of ourselves as not being free because of that i think these are in fact meant to reinforce our freedom i think existing in if you are if you are swimming in a current there has to be a current against which you can swim you can't swim you can't swim on land when you have no current that's a brilliant uh, statement and i kind of completely agree with you when you say to exercise your own freedom you first need to have a guiding light that 
deters you from exercising freedom itself so with that profound statement i would ask you all to ponder upon that and see you in the next episode thank you karan thank you so much